You are listening to Rouge, White and Blue, a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. Welcome to the Rouge, White and Blue CFL Podcast. Great competition. My name is Los Davis. I'm the co-host of this show and joining me, as always, is Joe Pritchard. Top American fan of the prospective back-to-back Grey Cup champions. Joe, how are you doing today? It could be three years running. <laughs> three years running. Yeah, but only back-to-back chance. Details, details, details. <laughs> <laughs> I don't mean to, to, to rub it in. It's, it's sort of a bizarro shot. In. Now, you're kind of down about this great cup, right? Because you're down with the rest of us plebs on great cup weekend and you don't get to go this year, but then you're kind of, of jealous of the folks that do. Yeah. My phone always like starting to kick into high gear. It's not really a, it wasn't really a feasible thing for me to go this year anyway, uh, between flight prices and, the COVID protocols in place to go over the border and back. It would have right. made it a very difficult, expensive, and stressful scenario to begin with. So it, there were, it, it never really was an option for me to go. Um, but still, seeing people getting excited and talking about it kind of makes me just kind of, yeah, sad. Let's go with that. Jealous, not really. I'm happy for everybody that's going and is going to have a great time. And at the same time, I'm just going to sit here and be sad. (laughs) Until Sunday night. All right. Well, we're going to do the Grey Cup preview. But I suppose we have a couple of other previews. uh, Another preview, I should say. Just one preview to talk about first. So I guess congratulations are in order. You advance to the final of the DFS fantasy league. Yep. Yep. Uh, I get to face off with Andrew from the church district. Who's been running hot for most of the season. He's 12 and four. I'm seven and nine. And I'm looking to see if I can conjure up some magic from those uh, 2000 beastie lions or the 2001 Calgary St. Peter's <laughs> teams that won the whole thing with the losing record in the regular season, trying to channel some of that. Okay. Now Sean McGuire, And Dane Evans were responsible for four touchdowns between them. Who did you have at at quarterback this week? I had Kalaros. Okay. And 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 uh Ryan from the Canadian Football Countdown show, who was the person I was playing head up against, had Jeremiah Mazzoli. No. So that that worked out well in my favor. Yeah, he chose poorly Mm. as they said in Raiders of the Lost Ark Park. I also did use a little bit of Western Illinois uh, luck, though. I did start McGuire at one point this year when he started that game, uh, (laughs) game 13 for Winnipeg, because he was a value play at that point. So I did do that, but I did start his uh, Western Illinois um, teammate, Jalen Acklin, last week, too, and that worked out really well for me. Nice. Well done. Well done. Right. So show in the finals of of a very tough league so good for you 
Good for you for doing that. Uh, right. Let's talk. I, before we go on to the, the Great Cup preview, I wanted to discuss real quick a couple things about the championship games, the conference championship games last weekend. First off, I just want to rant a little bit. Uh, and, and not just because I bet on the Argonauts and picked them on this show publicly, thus humiliating myself once again with the CFL pick. But I got this thing about teams or people or players or whatnot that are given the spotlight, you know, given the golden opportunity, the once-in-a-lifetime opportunity, and then just, you know, don't even show up. Just, like, miss that one chance at greatness. And that was McLeod Bethel Thompson, yes, for sure. But that was the whole Argonauts team in this game. I mean, what was anything good about this for the art? Do you want me to reach and try to find something? <laughs> I mean, they did start out with a decent lead. They just could have had a lot larger one early on, and that cost them dearly. But that was the thing, wasn't it? Is that they repeated the mistakes of the Alouettes game and of the Stamp Peters game over and over and over. Over. Yeah. And like 10 yard chip shot. Like, come on. It wasn't even like 20 yarders. It was <laughs> 10 yard field goals. Oh. <sighs> exactly. And and for me, it was the same situation as that Alouette's game in the beginning. It turned into the stamps overtime at the end. But in the beginning of the game, you know, I I was just like, okay. The first one, okay, do the field goal. You're a bit close, but what the hell? The first the first one, maybe. Just yeah. so you get something out of your first right. attempt down there. Right. But the second one, you've got the lead already. Exactly. You, you're down, you're really close. If you miss, exactly. you're pinning them back. And then if they punt, uh, you're still in field goal range. <laughs> exactly. Like exactly. go for it. Bury them. Well, at least like put put a nice lead on them. Yeah. You know, you know, they ended up going. make them dig out of a dig out of a hole instead of like, oh, one lucky play and we're ahead. That's not that's not really a big lead at that point. Just a disaster for the Argonauts, even before start to even beyond the finish of this game. I mean, you can start with Bethel Thompson, and apparently the story goes is that. He attended a Raptors game, sort of encouraged by team officials to do so. This turns out somehow, I don't even understand this part, to be a violation of the CFL protocols. CFL, you know, just says, ah, forget it. Gives them a pass on that. And mm-hmm. he goes in and shows next to nothing. You know, I can't, it's not exactly a fair um, comparison, but if you use the fantasy stats that I have for my NFL league, he gets like six and a half points in this game. You know, yeah, I mean, okay, no interceptions, but again, not a single offensive touchdown in this game. I mean, that's weak. And then, you know, your defense is weak. I think I've got it here. Oh, yeah, okay. Here you go. Here's, here's once Dane Evans goes in the game. Goes 16 of 16, basically has this offense moving up and down the field at will. Coming out in the second half, 
here's the list of the drives they have for the rest of the game. Okay. Two and out. All right. Fair enough. Punt return touchdown, passing touchdown, two and out. Running touchdown, running touchdown, run out the clock. <laughs> it's like, Jesus, shrink in the spotlight kind of moment for Toronto. On top of this, before the game, you have all the stuff about how you know, they're going to fold this team because they got this massive debt. After the game, you have this crazy ass thing with the fans. Uh, after and you know a couple of Argos like punching this dude out when he had it coming, if you ask me. But oh, and your assistant GM getting himself clocked too while he's at it. <laughs> I uh, okay, so basically for me, all of this came down to just two questions for you, Joe. We're going to talk plenty about the Tigers guys later, but I'm still I'm still bagging on the Argos here. Um, one is. How disappointing was this Argonauts loss, do you think, for the fans? And two, how insane and or inebriated do you have to be to try and fight a couple of professional football players after a game they just lost? Well, let me kind of sidestep that first question and actually talk about what a good year it was for the Argos as a whole. Obviously, Sunday sucked. Really, anything from last Wednesday to now sucked. Mm. But like Sunday, Sunday they had an opportunity and they let it go. Fine. That that sort of thing will happen to any team, right? But this was a team that nobody really had going very far this year. Some people may have said second place. I sure didn't. I'll be honest. I didn't see them coming together nearly as well as they did. They had a first-year head coach who sometimes this season appeared to be a first-year head coach. At the same time, he takes a group of players that really didn't have any sort of connection to each other. Because to, to look at the 2019 Argos and the 2021 Argos, they're two different teams for the most part. A few players from 19 made it to 21, not very many. So he took a group that not only had sat out 2020 for the most part, but was a completely different group than had been Toronto Argos before this. Took them and made them a 9-5 and team. I mean, that you can say what you want, and I have a few times about some of the game management decisions he's made, but that can be taught. What can't be taught is bringing people together like he does. He's going to have a long career as a CFL head coach uh, if he continues to do what he's doing. And if he learns from some of the mistakes he's made on the game management side of things, he might end up being a Hall of Fame coach. Mm, So that's that's, that's how highly i think of the work he did this year wow uh going in from nobody expects anything from this team to they're disappointed and they left they left an opportunity to go to the great cup on the field in the second half of the east final that's a pretty big leap and they have a lot to be proud of Yes, yes. So Sunday, 
and this last week even hasn't been their best, but they've had they're a lot further along than I would have ever guessed in July. Sure, sure. Okay, so you're suggesting that okay, bad loss, but optimism for the future. Absolutely optimism for the future, as long as okay. they can keep as long as they can keep their coaching staff together, as long as they can keep some form of core from this year's team together going into next year, they'd have to at least be considered contenders. And I don't think anybody saw that coming. Okay, great. Let's talk about the Western final, Winnipeg Blue Bombers versus Saskatchewan Rough Riders of last weekend. Um, I, I got a few things to say about the second half, especially that fourth quarter. But I'm wondering if you can tell me what was going on in that first half with five turnovers, including the three interceptions from Caleros. And why couldn't the Riders capitalize? Like, that was how... That first half was like every Labor Day the Bombers have played <laughs> until like the last couple of seasons for like the last 20 years combined into one shot. Like a touchdown turns into an interception. Like, okay, fine. First drive, they move the ball. He slips, the ball pops up, things happen. But then the second fumble at the one going like the opposite way and basically being a return touchdown. It was like another player to her and they were in like at that point, it's like, okay, now it's time to get nervous. Right. I don't, I still don't think I've completely unmounted from that point. <laughs> right. 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 Yeah. Yeah. For a while. That, and I mean, like it wasn't, and it wasn't anybody having a spectacularly poor game. It was just bad bounce after bad bounce after bad bounce in the cold. And it just, it snowballed for lack of a better turn. <laughs> and yet at halftime, they still had a shot, which they shouldn't have after that first half. That game should have been over and it wasn't. There was a point <laughs> when things were going south. It may have been after the third turnover. The one after this, you know, basically full field run back. And it, I was just thinking to myself, maybe this is just the numbers catching up. And as it turned out, it kind of was, but they got done with it in the first half, right? I mean, there was like one turnover for, for them the rest of the game after that. And in the fourth quarter, they completely dominated. Um, now you had to like, this turnaround basically in the third quarter you have this was pretty amazing i thought i was looking at the play-by-play right up today and this is canadian football okay the the riders had the ball four times in the second half four drives and one of them was the last where they turned it over on downs and they even had a two and out in there Absolutely incredible ball control by the Bombers in the fourth quarter. In the third quarter, it's more like the Riders shooting themselves in the foot. Uh, 
in that quarter on their possessions, they went fumble, missed field goal, passing touchdown. Oh, I'm sorry. They had five, five possessions in the second half. So, so yeah, fumble, missed field goal before they finally scored the passing touchdown. Went in, shot themselves in the foot a bunch of times, and then the Bombers did what they do best, which is shut them down at the fourth. You had to like that second half. It got better and better as the game went. It did. Like, <laughs> But even when they went up 14-10, that lead lasted for like a half a minute. And it's like, is this the way this is going to be the whole time? They're going to keep the ball for like, like seven minutes of drive, score, and then the Riders are going to score on three plays every time now? Is that how they're going to like – murder our season nah not not that i have any scar tissue from labor days or anything <laughs> okay i i know as a fan it's tough to get back to it, but from the outside this is a different team it is they didn't fall apart in the fourth quarter and the fourth quarter they shut them down that's been their specialty and, and, and even then specialty. the last drive kept on going and yep. kept on going and kept right. on going what was it they, they had the writers had it at like the 30 with a minute to go, right? Yes. Even yes. then, I wasn't, like, at that point, it's finally just like, okay, they're at the 30, but that's 30 of the longest yards they're ever going to have to travel because they're facing this defense. Right. And that was, like, the first confident thought I'd had in, like, three hours. <laughs> that's exactly what I thought. Um, we're going to talk game preview in just a minute, but one of the key, this was one of the things that the Bombers never did well. They had pressure all day. They got five sacks from five different guys, and one of them wasn't even Big Hill. Big Hill led the team with eight, sa- eight tackles by them. Big Hill played a lot of spy, from what I could tell, mm-hmm. because they wanted to keep Cody from running the ball, and it seemed right? to work pretty well. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I'm not going to sit here and say that was what Big Hill's job was the whole day, but I noticed like three or four times when, oh, he's stepping up in the, oh, nope, now he's stopping. Right. There's Big Hill five yards on the field, just like staring at him. Like, come on. <laughs> yeah. That was exactly what I thought is that, you know, every time you're expecting to get in on this pass rush, which it seemed like that seven guys running every time, but Adam wasn't one of them. It was just like, whoa, crazy. And, and you know, he must have been waiting. It must have been like a, a waiting for the shooter dropping. When is he going to rush? You know, but almost never did the whole game. And so, and, and these were staggered throughout. Plus, there was also the two, the two force fumbles by, by this front four. That was what you always had going for you. And, and when the riders were driving because they had to score that touchdown, I don't know. I just felt like they worked too slowly. Uh, they weren't biting it off enough yards, and they turned in the stamps. Because every time they had first and 10, they're going for the over-the-shoulder, like, you know, long pass. It's like, why? Why? You, so you can give it back to them at the end, you know? I mean, come on now. Why are you going for the gold here? If they had just plowed forth and taken their time. I mean, they, okay, okay, again, you said it. With, I think it was 70 seconds. I think it was a minute 10 left it was ball on the 30 i mean what if they had just tried to grind it out from there i mean this is the cfl right the 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 clock stops when you get a first down right actually at at the end of every play within three minutes until they spot it oh yeah that's so they had five or six plays from there yeah but but you're going for these low percentage plays man it's just like 
And then let's just not spend too much time on the one that they shouldn't have had that should have ended their season a couple minutes earlier than that. Although, to be fair, the review on that one wasn't great. But let me pivot again and just say that beyond that and maybe a couple of others, I think the officiating and the command center this year was a whole lot better than we've seen in previous years. Oh, yeah. Like, of course, it would have been that one that would have screwed us had they finished it up. But (laughs) as a whole, and that's what I kept telling myself, too, as a whole, this season has been great. I just hope that the one time they screw up this badly isn't the one that's going to change the season. Mm -mm. No, no. The Bombers have turned that corner, man. It's not those Bombers. And I don't even think I would have been half as nerve wracking if it was anybody else either. Oh, of course not. (laughs) Of course not. Just not them and not this way is what I was thinking the whole game. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) I think the saving grace on the turnovers is they all occurred deep in deep in rider territory. Like most of them did. Even the even the toss-up interception was up with rider 30 or 40. So yeah. Yeah. They weren't handing them the ball at the 20, except for the one long return. And that was just Mm -hmm. one of those things. Yep. Really, their their whole offense was that fumble return and the big touchdown pass. Yeah, pretty much. That's what it is. Weren't you saying like about a month ago, Uh-oh. asking me how the bomber stacked up historically? That was last week. Sorry. Was that last, was that last week or a couple last weeks week ago? Last week or the week before. Yeah. Yeah. No. Well, they've got their shot. They can prove <laughs> that they're one of the best teams in, in CFL history. They had to go through their rival in the West final with a lot of adversity. Now they get to go to a hostile environment against a team that's, if not great, at least good enough to be there. They're no fluke. They deserve to be there. There you go. Here's your opportunity. Go take it. Yeah, the win against Saskatchewan, when they had the ref goal go against them, they had all the early turnovers, um, you know, there was this final drive that, that was looking like it was going to match the, the drive that the Bombers had put together. But there was this whole element of the monkey off the back. The fact that none of this stuff actually stopped the Bomber. You know, it felt like, not quite as dramatic, but it felt like after the Red Sox, we got past the Yankees in the playoffs. You know, okay, now... Then all of a sudden, the Yankees couldn't beat them to save their lives for like a day. Right. Exactly. Well, I've got a whole other theory about that. <laughs> that I could, I could lay that on sometime, maybe after the show. Uh, but in any case, it, it kind of felt like that. It felt like, okay, this is the game that normally would have crushed them in the past. But no, not anymore. Not anymore. This is not the bombers of what the past, without exaggeration, what, 30 years? How long yeah. have they been the Vikings of the CFL? Depends how uh, on what you consider that. But yes, 30 years. Well, you know, just just every once in a while, you make the finals, you make the championship, you make the great cup, you think it's your year, and then there's some stupid thing that takes you out. I mean, that's that was the Bombers, right? For a long time, right? You would say? Yeah, and even worse than that, some years just not even being there. Oh yeah, oh yeah, like there's, even there's, close. Yeah, that, well, but for me, I mean, that's what Saskatchewan looks like 
if they're not one of the three or four best teams in the CFL, they're nowhere. <laughs> That's what they felt like to be for a long time. So they're not, I wouldn't consider the Riders a heartbreak team. But from what you tell me and from what I know of the history, it seems like the Bombers were that team. Not anymore, possibly, but we'll see. See, I'm totally jinxing it now. I'm totally jinxing it. You better pick the Ticats to win this game, Joe. Um, let's do a real quick review. Some of this you probably remember. Some of it you may not. As for this season, Hamilton enters the game. They're now 10-6 on the season. They're 6-1 and one in their last seven. And on the year, they're allowing just 17.2 points per game. Pretty, pretty good for a six-loss team. Winnipeg had the top regular season record, of course, in the CFL, and now they're 12-3 on the year. And their average game result is a 25-14 win season so so they're basically like plus 11 on average point differential of course uh the cfl fans know that this is a rematch of the 2019 great cup the last time we played this game in which winnipeg stunned hamilton with a 33 to 12 win that was a good day huh joe you were there for that yeah huh uh, the Bombers have, as Joe sort of alluded to earlier in the show, the Bombers have pretty much stayed the same at the key spots. The Ticats have changed a little bit, particularly in the running spots and the offensive line bits of the roster. But the one key factor is that Dane Evans was the starter for Hamilton at quarterback this game the last time these teams played. He wasn't very good, but I don't know. Maybe that experience counts for something. Okay, so as far as a recap, what have I left out here? We did all this. We've spent two years wondering, watching, <laughs> seeing all the changes go on throughout the world, throughout the league, throughout everything, and here we are again. <laughs> nice. Okay, let's talk Hamilton first. Your most important player for Hamilton and your X fact. I think your most important player for Hamilton is going to be Dane Evans. They're coming. Okay. The Bombers are sending their front four and more. Uh, seemed to get to them last year. It seems to have gotten to everybody this year. He's going to have to stand up under that heat and deliver another performance like he did last week. If he could do that, game on. Uh, their X factor, they're going to have to be the ones causing Winnipeg to make mistakes. Mm. Uh, because when, because the conditions aren't going to be the same as it was last week where random weird crap would happen. The ball's not going to pop out of Nip De- Nick Dembski's hands again. The receivers aren't going to be wearing four layers of gloves and have the ball squirt out three times on them and right into tie cat hands that's not going to happen they're going to have to go make their they're going to have to go make their luck hmm. uh, and if they and if anybody in this league could do that besides winnipeg it's hamilton one thing we've not spent nearly enough time this year talking about is hamilton's defense because it's always one of those that show up every single week their offense is scoring not a whole lot every any given game but they're besides the first couple weeks of the season when everything was a crapshoot 
their defense has kept them in every single game. Okay. I like that. I like that. That's yeah, different from what I was going to say <laughs> for sure. Uh, yeah, Dane Evans, of course, <laughs> Dane Evans, of course, is, is going to be key. And for me, I guess the key for him is that he needs to maintain a complete game. Now, a lot of teams in the CFL have been cursed this year by the incomplete game. We just saw one last week by Toronto, and it cost him cost him the entire game playing, not playing the second half. <laughs> so uh, Dane Evans is not only going to have to play a game, he's going to have to play a whole game. I want to see, okay, he can play a half against an unprepared team, apparently. It certainly looked like it. Let's see if he can play a full game against a prepared team in Winnipeg. However, um, what I consider probably the most important player and the X factor for Hamilton is going to be that offensive line. Uh, there's <laughs> Winnipeg is going to bring just as much heat, if not more. I think this is one of the things that really surprised them back in 2019, if I recall correctly, it's been so long, was just this relentless pass rush that they put on Hamilton. Now, we're too far out to have those depth charts released as they do in the CFL. So I don't know what's going to happen. Now, last week, I noted that at left tackle, uh, the Ticats had Jordan Murray, who's four-year guy out of North Texas. He's been kind of in and out of the starting lineup this season. and But he's a large individual, 6'9", 325 pounds. And he was looking pretty good last week, although the Argos didn't bring much of a rush last week. But he looked pretty good. And But I just wonder if there's anybody big enough to stop this Winnipeg pass rush at all. Uh, and certainly one man won't be able to do it alone. But I would definitely, if you're considering betting on this game, i definitely get a hold of those depth charts and consider who's starting at left tackle and in general on this line for Hamilton. Because I think it's it. The battle of the trenches, as as the talking heads like to say, is going to be crucial in this game. So, all right, what do you got for Winnipeg? Most important player, X-Factor? Well, can Andrew Harris do what he did last year? Can he, or last season? And can Andrew Harris do what he did last week? Harris carried that offense when, the, when it was clear that the passing game was limited by the cold and the wind. They just said, here you go, Andrew. Take the ball. I forget who said it the, this past week or i want to say even yesterday when they were talking about the riders were talking about how andrew harris was listed as as a game as a game time decision and i wish i knew who said this because it's a brilliant line but that person said the only game day decision andrew harris had was how many yards he was going to rush for (laughs) okay all right what do you got for x Dying to hear what you say. Well, can they carry their fourth quarter dominance? One more game. They've been insane in the fourth quarter this season, besides the games after they had clinched where they called off the dogs, really. Um, Besides that, in the fourth quarter, nobody's scoring on that Winnipeg defense. Mm -hmm. And that Winnipeg offense put games away left and right. If Hamilton goes into the game down in the fourth quarter, goes into the fourth quarter down, it's over because Winnipeg will have taken their fans out of the game because it's going to be a very, very 
pro Hamilton crowd, obviously being where they're at. Um, but that crowd's going to be taken out of the game if Winnipeg's ahead going into the fourth quarter. And then at that point, Hamilton's at the mercy of the Winnipeg defense, and that's not a place that they want to be. <laughs> Again, like I said last week, the how you get, it, it, Saskatchewan had a chance to bury Winnipeg in the first quarter last week, and they didn't do it. Hamilton's going to have to. They're going to have to get up 10 nothing, 14 nothing, 17 to 3, something like that, and make Winnipeg, Winnipeg play catch up because that's not Winnipeg's game. Because um, that's how you take the running game out of the equation. If they don't have the running game, the passing game isn't good enough to beat you by itself. But as a part of a whole, the passing game is just fine, thank you. And the running game is going to help Winnipeg control, control the game. So Hamilton needs to jump out early and ride some ride their fans' emotions right off the top. They can do that. They're keeping the trophy home. If they can't, it's getting on a plane back to Winnipeg. How much of a factor do you put the home crowd at? Three to six points, like the okay. sports books do. Like the sports books tend to right. give them okay. three points right off the hop. A Hamilton crowd in this situation, maybe that's where six or seven. Wow. But but you also have to factor in that fans from across the nation are coming in. I mean, a lot of them are going to be riding Hamilton's, riding the Hamilton bandwagon because they want to see that streak over that they've had the long streak now. And neutrals, people that don't root for either Hamilton's rivals, say Toronto or Winnipeg themselves, obviously Saskatchewan's. Saskatchewan fans are going to be rooting for Hamilton on mass. I'm sure most of the West will probably be doing the same thing. It's going to be 70-30. That might take a point or two off the board, but as we've seen over and over again throughout the years, Hamilton definitely has uh, a home field advantage, and they're going to get it in the most important game they may play in a decade. I'll tell you who I'm going to root for. I'm going to root for whoever I bet on. Let's see. Uh, yeah, I had Harris as the most important player uh, again like he he was great in the 2019 game won the MLP for that game similar situation right because he was he had missed a couple of games close to that final same thing here I mean again he's he's unstoppable when he's healthy and now he's pretty pretty well rested up so you know this again this is a moment for Harris here yeah, if I had to guess, and this is only a guess, I want to make that clear. He's been healthy for like a month. They just haven't needed him. Well, yeah, but you know, part of being healthy uh, is being rested too, right? So mm-hmm. you know, he's got to get he's got those fresh legs, right? Okay, now the, the X factor. I think I'm gonna bust your bubble a little bit here, but I, for the X factor here, I'm picking the weather, and the reason why I'm picking the weather for Hamilton is because that's when things go wonky and stuff like the Toronto Argonauts at 500 defeat the dominant Calgary Stampeders based on a fluke 106-yard play. This could have happened to Winnipeg last week. And the thing is, I mean, you were talking before about how you're not going to have receivers with triple gloves. Well, the weather's between 32 and 38 Fahrenheit. Uh, That's what the weather report has. And much more importantly, Guess what? That old bugaboo freezing rain and snow. Now they've got freezing rain and snow forecasts basically all week 
this week for that area. So the weather for this game could be pretty miserable. And the worse it is, not only the more likely are you to bet the under, which is already pretty low, but the more worried you have to be about fluky turnover, about fluky plays, about even if it gets really bad, having to throw away most of your uh, game plan. Sure, but it's not going to be as bad as Sunday was. Yeah, probably not. And they survived that. Barely, but they survived it. You've still got Harris, too. I was just like, again, now it just increases the risk. It's, it's not even so much the cold because you learn to deal with that as a, as a guy who has to hit the ground. But it's just the randomness of 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 wet of of water and and you know whenever i see freezing rain that really um shakes my confidence in you know there's going to be a lot of points in this game that i can predict for example uh all right for this last one i wanted to do the if thens but you're pretty much already answered this first one hamilton wins if if they lead to if they have a 14 point lead in the first half Right. That's that's what I figured would be your contention there. All right. Winnipeg wins if? If they're ahead going into the fourth quarter. <laughs> Maybe even halftime, but the fourth quarter, okay, lights out. What if they have to come back? They'll come back, right? They could come back in the fourth. If they're down by a touchdown or less. They, they could. But if they're ahead going into the fourth quarter, lock it down. Um, if, they, if they have to rally, that means their defense – can make can't make one mistake and the the odds at that point given how it's gone all season the numbers are against them at that point right because at some point that wall is going to crack but i'd rather i'd rather them be up a touchdown or two if that happens maybe this season this shorter season isn't quite long enough for some of those numbers to balance out maybe not but that's an insane i've never seen anything like this like what like how dominant the Bombers are in the fourth quarter, even considering the two games that they did not have anything to play for. All right, getting down to the brass tacks of this thing from a numbers perspective. You know what? I've got one more X factor. Oh, go for it. Both of these coaches, or both of these coaching staffs, are excellent with special teams. We saw Jeff Ryan Bull pull off the fake uh, with the with the field goal attempt that got Hamilton a first down and kept them on the field mm-hmm. last year, they had, they had a play similar in the gray cup where they pulled off a fake and got a first down out of it. Having that just be a first down kind of made me go, okay, that bullets out of the chamber and, the, and it only gave up a first down. I, I'm good. Yeah. I was thinking about special teams, but Hamilton has enjoyed a few big plays on special teams and, and you know a few interesting things as well but I, they haven't blown me away like in previous seasons on special teams no but if they're gonna have if they're gonna have saved anything up it's gonna be come out in this game yeah that's true. so look for that one play that comes out of nowhere and if it's a touchdown could be a game changer if it's not or at least doesn't lead to one <laughs> that's an expert that's an expected. It's a seven-point swing, right? Will there be a trick play on a Hamilton special teams plus eight hundred? Um, okay, so as far as the actual numbers for this game, uh, I've got <laughs> this. This kind of surprised me a little bit. I thought it was going to be higher, but they got Winnipeg 
as a two and a half point favorite. Okay, not exactly on a neutral field. And the money line on the Tiger Cats is only a plus 120. <clears throat> so the book is certainly not confident in that Winnipeg money line. The over-under is, I've seen 43 and a half, and I've seen 44, which would give you a score of about 23-21, which seems really interestingly uh, plausible. Do you want to take a shot at this first? Actually, the score that Hamilton won by last week, that 27-16, to mm-hmm. kind of feels right for this one, just not Hamilton. <laughs> All right. 21-16. Okay. Player of the game? Who the media says is the player of the game? Or who's actually playing? No, the actual MOP. The actual MOP is the defensive line. Oh, wow. Whether it's Willie or whether it's Jack's Jeff Coat. Okay. And the awarded MOP is? Probably Harris again, unless unless he, unless he Claros puts up numbers that I don't predict. <laughs> it's one of those two because that's how it always goes, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the smart one. What if Winnipeg pitches a shutout? Maybe then, maybe if you have a guy show up with, with th- maybe if a guy with three or four sacks or two picks or something like that, mm-hmm. maybe I'm holding out. Maybe like it'd have to be clear who, like I could see Willie having a game where yeah. he has like three sacks and then has a pick six because he dropped back into coverage the one time they were expecting him to come. <laughs> I could see Willie having a game like that. That'd be awesome. I'm holding out that. That one of the Jeffs is going to get this this year. Okay, so you're going 2116. Okay, that puts it at the Well, I said 2716, which puts it like right oh, there. 2716. Okay. Yeah. 27. You really think, wow, 11 points huh? with the home crowd? Probably a late touch, late touch down to seal it, but that defense makes one last big play. The offense is inside the 20, and that's it. They I go see. in. Jeez, I am afraid. Every every time I say it's a blowout, it's close. And every time I say it's close, it's a blowout. So I, I'm afraid to pick this. But two and a half is not a blowout. Jeez, tough call. Well, I guess, okay, so I guess Winnipeg covers this. I'm going to take, I'm going to go Winnipeg. I'm going to go really low. <laughs> I'm going to go Winnipeg 20, Hamilton-like 13. I'm going to go really low scoring. I would advise um, if you're going to bet on this game and you see that it's really snowy or slushy on that field, take the under. That has worked for me before, unlike almost anything else CFL Great Cup betting, is taking that under when it's a sloppy field. And if it's not, if it's a nice, dry, clean field and the weather is okay, take the over. Because the over will hit. But I'm thinking the weather's going to be crap. I'm thinking low, low scoring game. All right. Since you're not going to the game, Joe, are you going to observe any rituals for this game? What time even is this game on? I haven't even looked at that yet. What time is this game on the TV? I want to say it's like something like 6 Eastern, 3 Pacific okay. on Sunday. Oh, that's a reasonable time. Gee. I won't even be able to start drinking by the Can't drink all day if you don't start early. <laughs> Nice, nice. What is that from? Where did you get that? I've heard that at Grey Cup. Oh, great! Spirit of Edmonton breakfast is a 
place to start. <laughs> Spirit of Edmonds and Nice. We will yeah. have to get you sluiced at some point. Oh, sure. Oh, sure. I mean, one of these days, right? If civilization ever makes a comeback. Yeah. Well, yeah. I don't know about civilization, but, you know, being able to travel would be nice. Or at least get it. Civilization <laughs> might not be something we see in our lifetimes. Damn. I mean, yeah, we've been, been trying to, we've been trying to go at it for like 5,000 years. We still haven't gotten there. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think whoever had the over on the uh, amount of time it's going to take won that bet already. All right. We are going to get out of here. Joe, enjoy the game, man. I guess good luck to your bombers. I don't really have a pony in this race. Since, since I'm taking the bombers, go bombers. It's a good way to end things. Thanks for listening. Find more great shows like this at CF Pod Network on Twitter.